You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This episode of Crime Writers On is sponsored by Everlywell. Finding the time to get a lab test done? It's almost impossible. But now it's easy to order the tests you want at everlywell.com. Everlywell is an at-home health testing company that offers a variety of physician-reviewed private tests, from food sensitivity to metabolism to thyroid. No more sitting in waiting rooms or waiting on your results. Head to everlywell.com and use the promo code CRIME to get 15% off your first order. Everlywell. Your test on your time, on your terms. The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. Showcase your work, blog, or publish content. Even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class engineers. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CWO to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about other podcasts and also about true crime, pop culture, journalism. And this week, we'll discuss the new chart topper about chart toppers. Disgraceland is the latest true crime podcast, but this one comes with a twist. The anthology series focuses exclusively on the bad behavior of famous musicians. We'll tell you who may be on their way to the Supreme Court. And there's an epilogue in The Pope's Long Con. So joining me to dive into all that is my true crime co-author, real-life husband, and the not-Sid to my not-Nancy, Kevin Flint. Hello, Kevin. Good evening, Cleveland! <laughs> also with us is journalist, true crime author, licensed private investigator, former defense investigator, and Lindsey Vaughn downhill impersonator, <laughs> Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, yes. I, I got some new ski goggles this weekend, and um, when I asked the ski patrol guys what they thought, they said, you are the most fashionable person on the Pokey Pine Trail. <laughs> That's right. On the Pokey Pine That's Trail. That's right. Yeah, she, she goes to this little podunk mountain and this little podunk Pokey trail. Pine. Yeah. Can yeah. you Pokey do the Pine. Lindsay Vaughn impression when she's in the gate, ready to race? <laughs> <laughs> it was stressing me out. I was so stressed out watching that last the night. Minute this is like, for I had to tell you, we're taping tonight. This is the first night I have not watched the Olympics at eight o'clock in yeah. like since the Olympics started. I'm an addict. Mm, it is pretty good. I did. I do love me the Winter Games. I do. I can't help it. Maybe because we're freezing our own asses off and we feel like we we, we should be doing something productive. Like skiing not fast. Today. Not today. Exactly. Ski fast and shoot something. It's like That's, 70 yeah. degrees today. All right. And finally yeah. joining us, the acclaimed novelist behind the City Trilogy and the man known to very many of our listeners as a cynical silver fox, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. <laughs> well, a couple pieces of business I want to run by you guys. One is, uh, fair listeners, we are taking next week off of the podcast we are going oh. on vacation. Um, it is our school vacation week next week here in the fair state of New Hampshire. And I'm just curious, um, Laura and Toby, do you guys have any plans next week or are you just hanging around at home? Laura, what about you? Um, we are doing some forced family fun. We're going to... <laughs> s- <laughs> 
because we have an 11 year old and we know that we have a small window where we can still do that. So we are going to sunny Orlando to visit hey. Universal and Harry Potter land. That's cool. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Have a few butter beers. <laughs> what about you, Toby? Do you have any plans for the school vacation week next week? My wife and daughter are going down to Sarasota, but I'm going to be hanging out here nice. with my son. Do you want to just make a podcast without us? Just like the Toby cast? Nah, you can't that do that. <laughs> Toby and Jake. The people demand it. The people demand it, yes. Silver Fox right. cast. I'll just be stream of consciousness for an hour and a quarter. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Well, and if anybody's going to be in St. Kitts next week and wants to buy us dinner, we're ooh, down. That's right. We will be in the British Virgin Island of St. Kitts next week. It's very exciting. Oh, that means they drive on the other side of the road, right? Yeah. Totes. All right. All right. I got I to <laughs> mentally get ready for that. You did that last year when we I vacation. And they came. And, yeah, yeah. It was very fun. That was, yes. When we, when we rented uh, Laura's you... grandma's timeshare. So, Laura, <laughs> yes. You, yes. Yeah, we, we, we bummed off Laura in the Cayman Islands last yeah. year. So yeah. you're probably a yes. Toby, have you ever been in a place where you had to drive on the left-hand side of the road? Uh, yeah, several times. Several several times. Okay. He's more sophisticated well, like than we England, are. like England, Kenya. Ja- what, uh, you, really? Wales. Yeah. You are wow. way more well-traveled than yeah. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he's a silver fox, and we're just fat lumps of pudding. Then I would just say this to our, our American and Canadian listeners. Can you just Im- try to imagine, like you've never done this, you're driving on the left-hand side of the road. Okay, right-hand turn, where are you going? And what? Le- okay, you think maybe you got that. Okay, left, yeah. You're approaching a rotary. Yes. <laughs> which which way do you look? Panic. Which way do you turn? By the way, they, oh they, they, we call them rotaries here, but other Traffic places, circle, roundabout. 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 <laughs> Wheel yeah. of death. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. Fortunately, there were arrows. I'm like, okay, I'll just follow the arrows. We made the signage in Grand Cayman was outstanding. Yeah, right. Outstanding. Yes. Anyway, uh, another piece of news. Last week on the show, we entreated upon our listeners to vote for us in the Discover Pods Podcast Madness Tournament. And we said we had one goal, which was to make it past round one. And yes. we were paired against True Crime Garage in round one. And we did it, guys. We went on, yes. We have advanced, and we were not the only possible upset in um, the Discover Pods podcast Magnus bracket. Yes, I was reading. After Lauren, I didn't even look for a second. So Kevin Goldberg, who actually created the bracket, um, wrote a little blog post today, which we should put in our show notes. But basically, he said that um, he everybody was seated, like six to six, one to sixteen. What are we? What were we? I don't know. He said there was there wasn't a single one seed seed one loss, but all four of the number two seeds lost, including. Atlanta Monster, High Nation, The Joe Rogan Experience, uh, The Blood Crow Stories, and the most surprising one being that Crime Town beat Atlanta Monster. Also, um, wow. Embedded beat Up and Vanished. Crime Town was an excellent podcast. It Crime was. Crime Town was pretty good. Yeah. I like the funky music. Right, but but think about the fact how popular Atlanta Monster is now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he put up some charts showing the closest matches, and apparently the closest matchup was between Up and Vanished and Embedded. It was uh-huh. um, embedded was a thirteen seed upsetting the four seed of Up and uh-huh. Vanished. So Toby loves these kinds of upsets. This is these are bracket busters. March Madness. This is what I live for. I know. Toby, you filled out an entire bracket for this, right? Right. I, I think I think we might have been the five twelve matchup, which historically. <laughs> 
has the most upsets. Uh, really? So you think we were the 12? And uh, Yeah, maybe. So um, basically what he says here is that um, the other matchups he has his eye on, realizing now that he has no idea how to seed podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, is he's looking at has his eye on WTF with Mark Maron versus Fresh Air, oh. 99% oh. Invisible versus Pod Save America, S-Town versus Dirty John, and the Black Tapes versus Tannis. We now are up Wait, against... It, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they're up against each other. So this is the bracket now. Here's a little picture yeah. of it. We should oh, put this picture on our... Um, yeah. On our website or our show notes. Mark Maron must be wondering why he doesn't get to go up against us. Exactly. Of, exactly. Because yeah. Mark Maron has- He's got to be a one seed in that He's got. He's got to be a one oh, seed yeah. like in most of this thing, right? Yeah. So we are now, unfortunately, <laughs> up against Crime Town. Are we up against Crime Town? Oh. Yeah. Two. It was good while it lasted. Good while it lasted, everybody. It was very good while it lasted. But listeners, this doesn't mean you shouldn't vote for us anyway, because what a Cinderella story oh my God. that would be. I know. Oh. That would be amazing. Coming out of nowhere. Yeah, so story. go to discoverpods.com. We'll actually post a link right to the voting for round two in the show notes for this show. Kevin, can you please take care of that? Yeah, it worked sure. last time. And can you send out an email again? That really worked well last time for us, too. <laughs> um, hey, you know, Crime hey, Town has that... all those gangsters. You know they're going to fix the vote. That's right. That's how they did it in Providence. <laughs> That's they right. fixed the vote. And if we win this bracket, which I don't think we will, but I really want to try, uh, we'll be up against either Heaven's Gate or Criminal. So can you imagine what? being against criminal or a, like oh if crime God. writers on versus criminal that would be something yeah. we were on an episode <laughs> of criminal so um it's a more wow. yeah it's getting really really interesting here's but, the um, upside guys we're all on vacation we won't even know that we lost that's true the the sting will be gone <laughs> wouldn't it be wonderful if we didn't yeah. i'm hopeful now this is the problem it's crime writers you on against know. fresh air this is the problem with setting the bar like so low like i only want to get out of round one <laughs> is that when you actually make it it kind of gives you hope that you could do more which I don't think that's, we can. Oh, that's where disappointment <laughs> comes from. <laughs> anyway, so listeners, yes, please go to discoverpods.com and vote for us in round two. Unless, of course, you like the, uh, our competitor better. That's fine. You're allowed to like them better. Hey, 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 congrats. It's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys at True Crime Garage are great and, you know. Gracious. They, they were gracious and, you know. Wait, we don't, we don't know that they were great. We're making that up. We don't know. Well, they, it wasn't they, like it wasn't like it was kind of guys, didn't hate them or no. anything like that. They seem yeah. the kind of guys who would be gracious. So let's just assume they're gracious. They're the guys that are really cool and don't care enough to send out emails to all of their <laughs> listeners saying, "Could you spend Saturday afternoon voting for us, please?" Because yeah. we don't want to we don't want to lose to those jerks over at Crime Writers. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, so I'm very excited. It was a small victory, a small victory. Um, another small victory, Kevin. There's a story I wanted you to just quickly talk about um, this week because we were going to get to it last. Week we didn't have time. So as you know, Kevin, I have one thing that like in our true crime life, well, actually you didn't know this because like you forgot um, that I have like a re- really strict rule about, which is that we don't do interviews, like TV interviews for those TV shows interviews. at our house. Right. Like, period. And okay. there's a reason for it, a very good reason. Because the one time that we did it, yep. we did it at our house in the spring and uh, the crew insisted that in order for it to be quiet enough to record that we shut off the sub pump for an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I was being interviewed and the basement flooded. <laughs> like in the middle of the day for like no freaking reason. Well, because it was spring. Uh, well, not, not any And reason. that house, which we don't live in anymore, was in the bottom of a hill. 
you know, oh my God, people just, who yeah. don't live in the areas like New England, a sump pump is basically like in your basement and it keeps your house from flooding actively. Yeah. <laughs> is, is this, I have to ask, is this the same house that Kevin had to go to in the middle of the yes. night because yes. your tenant? Yes. 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 Okay. Same house. So, yeah. okay. There are basement issues. That was the first time I had a vacuum water you off the floor. You might want to like burn some sage over there. Yes. That's all yes. I'm saying. Yeah. So, so the rule is no, nothing at the house. Nothing at the house. You unwittingly booked a TV interview at our house. At our house. And I was like... No. And it's actually... <laughs> so I asked my friend Rob if I could use his house, in part because he has this really nice <laughs> library. He has a much nicer house. A much a much nicer house. And I think you told him it would take like an hour, which is really funny, because he kept texting me during what was going. He was like, how long is this going to take? Oh, was he? Is yes. that what he was on the phone? <laughs> Jesus. Because <laughs> so, TV takes forever. It sucks. So he has he has yes. this nice he has a beautiful library. It even has like one of those like ladders that slide. I mean, it's like they have a lot. They have, they have a lot more money than we do. Let's be mwah. honest. They, yes, <laughs> they don't have podcast money, but they have mwah, they have yeah computer. They have real actual money. They have actual yeah, money. They have real money. And the only problem with the room, guys, is that it's like rectangular. And so if you were to like sit in, it, 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 there wasn't sort of enough room from the the short wall to the other wall where the books were to sort of get that depth of field that the camera wants. So you're like, okay, what if we swung it around the long way and we just put you, Kevin, like in the doorway of the library so you can see everything behind you? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't give. I don't care. There's room. So the camera guy comes in and he's like, you know, freaking Fellini. Right. And like, first of all, he's like checking his his compass to see like where the sun's going to be <laughs> to come through the window behind us. Like, oh, this is, you know, this isn't going to work. And, you know, I know like sometimes you put up like things to cover windows and special lights and whatnot. They took the doors off of the, oh, the my. library. Oh, At our friend's house. Yes. This is so embarrassing. Are and they still friends with us? They are. <laughs> they are. Because when I went... I brought them two dozen roses from one eight hundred flowers <laughs> to ease the pain, and uh, I said this would probably take ninety minutes because there was another interview that they had to go right. do, and it took like five hours. It took forever. <laughs> it took, Meanwhile, yeah. they're taking doors off hinges at our friend's 90, house. Yeah, I, yeah. And they have those weird hairless cats. Do so those cats like run through the shot? Oh. Those weird hairless cats. Oh, those are interesting cats. It was now, and I only wanted to bring it up. Other than that, because we do like to shit on certain TV tropes. Yeah. In the true crime era, yeah. area, and um, they made me do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them, but one. Which was what? It's called the hero shot. Okay. Which <laughs> is? Are you staring off into space? No, even better, even better. I'm standing there, and they panned like left to right, and then I come into the frame, and I'm standing there, arms folded, looking directly into the camera. <laughs> Nice. You're like Keith Morrison. Exactly. <laughs> You're like Jim Clemente exactly. in like all those things. And what's that like? The, what's that Discovery ID show? Um, the Sin one. All of them. <laughs> uh, and he did two, and one where I was like really serious, <laughs> thinking I'm going to take shit from my podcast listeners about this <laughs> for being a hypocrite. And then the next one, I was kind of like, yeah, more casual. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you gave me Hands two in looks. The pockets. At, oh, I was like, this is a. I'm kind of regretting how so this is going to So is this screenshot of you doing this hero shot going to be like the new? <sighs> It'd make a great gif. <laughs> it's gonna be I don't like know it. when we're going to see it, but I believe it's for a show that's going to be on Netflix, a series. A the, Netflix? Yeah, the guy oh. says. I, I don't know. This is this is a crazy world in, the, in sort of the 
true crime TV world where the producers are selling things to different yeah. people. And I, I don't well, know. Well, you I'm didn't just... get paid for this, right? No, I didn't get paid. <laughs> you were just talking about it, one of the books you no, read. No, it's one of the books. And so it's kind of. So let's, let's get this straight. So our I friend's house got. I should have paid for got... the fucking hero shot. Our friend's house got taken apart. Mm hmm. You told him it was going to be 90 minutes, but yeah, it was five hours. Yeah, they had to go someplace. That was the thing. <laughs> and I was like, come on, guys. Tick tock, tick tock. My friend's got it. I mean, it's their house. They got to go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we got to put the doors back. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Christ's sake. We need to make sure the bald cats don't get into this. <laughs> They're room. asking Rob for tools. I was like, oh, he's going to. It's like, one of the places you got to take your shoes off when you walk in the door. Tools. They're taking doors apart yeah yeah i think that shot of kevin should be like all of our profile pictures on twitter (laughs) when it comes out just kevin and then we could like photoshop our own faces onto kevin's body in the hero shot so kevin uh to start off the show with actual content uh could you please read this for me true crime podcast update There are some developments related to the podcast, The Pope's Long Con, Kevin. Uh, What happened in the news this week? Well, there was that uh, that special election for the seat of Kentucky Representative Danny Ray Johnson uh, that was held this week. He was the politician who was in the spotlight in The Pope's Long Con. He was the Pope? He was, yes, quote, the Pope. You remember he was accused of sexually assaulting uh, a girl, his daughter's friend, on a New Year's Eve. And then he, uh, after the podcast dropped, he killed himself. So the the runoff election was this week uh, for that seat. Johnson's widow, Rebecca, ran as the Republican candidate. She lost to Democrat Linda Belcher by almost 40 points. Mm -hmm. Now, the pundits say that this race to them was interesting because Donald Trump had won that county by 50 points. So that is like a huge political swing. Right. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of um, attention to the fact that this race got national attention already because of the, the antics inve- of the Pope. Yeah, because of this podcast about Johnson. So, Kevin, did that follow up episode of the Pope's Long Con ever ever come out? Oh, yeah. You remember they said, yeah, that they were going to come back and do one more episode yeah. after the ones that they had already done. Uh, it, not exactly. But this week they did drop an epilogue mm-hmm. on their website. So they don't have a, a podcast episode. I just checked the feed. It's not in the feed, but they do have sort of a digital story that includes sound bites that sort of tell this last chapter, which is about this special election mm-hmm. and about what happened to Johnson just before he committed suicide and sort of the fallout out of that. So they did sort of close the loop on the story. Right. They chose not to do it in podcast form. Yeah. I mean, there are clips that you click on and you can hear it. So it's multimedia. There are quotes in the story from the the Center for Investigative Politics. I forget the name the of the Kentucky one. Center for Investigative Reporting. Yeah, talking like their reaction immediately following the death of Representative Johnson. But uh, they chose to finish telling the story that they set out to tell based on the events that had happened subsequent and, and really as part of their reporting. Right. But this was the way they chose to do it. So that's the final chapter. Now, Toby, when you're like see a story like this, like this uh, woman Belcher who, you know, beat out Johnson's wife for this seat. And, you know, the media is very focused on the midterms right now. So like the focus is on like, is this part of a trend where these seats are going to flip in the House of Representatives? I sort of felt myself wanting everyone to know, like, no, there's more here. Like, listen to this podcast, The Pope's Long Con. It isn't just about parties. It's about, like, the actual characters involved here. Toby, do you feel that way, too? Like, you kind of want people to know that there's more of a story here than just political winds blowing one way or the other? Sure. I mean, 
there's that story. There's a fact. I mean, I don't know what the actual numbers of people who voted, but a special election. Five thousand voters. A very. It was a. It was a low turnout for that county. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not that many people. There are all these other circumstances. So I, you know, it, I think it's kind of an anomaly. Even though I think the only it does kind of fit in with the trend mm-hmm. of a sort of Democrats outperforming Hillary Clinton's results, but you can't really just take it in a vacuum. Right, right. I think. Now, Laura, what do you think about this conclusion to this story? You know, we had this guy, we talked about it on our Pope's Long Con episode, and of course they talked about it in the podcast, and now, you know, he dies, he commits suicide, and then his wife steps up to fill the spot. Now, his wife was, you know, a, a character, a minor character yeah. in the podcast, mm-hmm. but she definitely is part of their business and, and dealings. And she blames and these reporters for his suicide. Yeah. What do you think of this as sort of a conclusion to the to the real life story here? When you first hear it, you're thinking this can't really be happening in mm-hmm. a way because it seems, I mean, I, I don't think she had any experience in that area. And I understand she's kind of making a statement and carrying on his legacy by running. So, I mean, I certainly, if I was a journalist in that area, I think it would be a really interesting story to cover. Yep. I think that would be something to watch. You know, I would love seeing the debates between the candidates and how it all played out. That story itself, like you said, had a lot more going on in terms of just party lines. Um, there was definitely some issues there that regardless of whatever party uh, the Pope was in, um, needed to be brought out. And I think with the focus on the midterm elections, that may be lost in the bigger picture because people are, are really becoming pretty partisan as things are moving forward right now. But I think, you know, going back to the story that was in the podcast, that story was just incredible, one thing after another, with what this man had managed to kind of, you know, basically hoodwink everybody around him. So I think that's the part that I hope doesn't get lost in all of this. Yeah, me too. And I think that one of the things that I said about the podcast that I would have done differently, and I really do think was probably a resources issue, is making a podcast, you know, isn't easy or cheap. And and the Center for Investigative Reporting, I think they partnered with a local public radio. I'm sure it was like mm-hmm. a project, right? Yeah, yeah. My one quibble about the podcast was they didn't retrack portions of it to acknowledge the suicide later. Um, they just did the statement up front. Yes. And then, just and then let they, it they let everything else. And so and it's like, you know, he didn't show up today. And it's like, it felt weird. Those kinds of things felt weird. Knowing... It felt weird, but also it ends up being true to the reporting. No, I think no absolutely. Just, I might have taken a different position Absol- then. But, absolutely. Yeah. But like, I, it is, I think, a testament to like how difficult it is to make a podcast, even one episode, to follow up on something like this. Um, I, I wish they had done it, but hopefully they will. Who knows? Yeah. But anyway, for our listeners, podcast, our listeners who haven't checked out the Pope's Long Con yet, it is an interesting story and worth listening to. So, what, what do you think about the way that they've ended this? Their decision to do something... A print story? Yeah, essentially a print story and not do another podcast. It's, it's certainly episode. not going to get in front of as many people. I mean, that's something we know. It's not going to get beyond their region as much as a podcast would. If they're interested in getting it out beyond the their regular readership borders, I mean, this is something that we know, you know from our work, from my work at the station where I work... You know, we know if we make content that's designed to go outside the borders, it will. And if we make content that is a print story, unless it has appeal for some reason, it will stay sort of within the borders of our region of coverage. So I don't know. It's too bad that more people won't get to see it. So that's that's the only reason why I kind of wish they'd make another episode. But I understand there are probably reasons why they won't. So, Kevin, I have one more of these for you. Can you please read this for me? True, True crime update. Laura Bricker. Our resident expert and the real life case behind making a murderer. <laughs> there has been yes. a very big update 
in the Brandon Dassey story. Would you like to fill us in on that? I would. And I'm not going in all the crazy background because we don't have that kind of time. Um, So here's your streamlined version this week, folks. Brandon Dassey's attorneys this week asked the U.S. Supreme Court to hear his appeal in the murder of Teresa Halbach. So the Northwestern School of Law's Center on Wrongful Convictions of Youth said in a statement Tuesday, quote, too many courts around the country for many years have been misapplying or even ignoring the Supreme Court's instructions that confessions from mentally ill impaired kids like Brendan Dassey must be examined with the greatest care. And that interrogation tactics, which may not be coercive when applied to an adult, can overwhelm children and the mentally impaired. Meanwhile, DNA evidence has uncovered dozens of cases involving false confessions from children. The time is now for the court to reaffirm this country's commitment to protecting kids in the interrogation room. So this is the latest in the case, like I said, that we've heard a lot about. Last year in 2016, we thought Brennan was getting out. After months of back and forth, that wasn't the case when the Seventh Circuit Court reinstated his conviction. In this petition, his attorneys write that the Supreme Court has set a precedent that requires um, a juvenile's aged intelligence to be considered when analyzing whether a confession was voluntary. Uh, They argue that lower courts haven't followed this standard, even though the Supreme Court rulings have supported this. The Supreme Court only grants a small percentage of requests. As we know, we've talked about it's like winning the lottery. Um, It's it's pretty rare. You know, unless you live in New Hampshire, where we seem to have a lot of lottery winners. Um, (laughs) I'm on that, by the way. I can't reveal, but I'm on it. So some legal experts say, yes, it's a long shot. But other people are saying that this case really has an opportunity to rule on the issue of juvenile interrogations and what should be permissible in those cases. Also new this week, new attorneys have joined Brendan Dassey's legal team, Mm. among them the former Solicitor General of the United States, Seth Waxman. Oh. So one of the other issues they point out is that a review by the Supreme Court of this case would reinforce to lower courts their obligations to follow the Supreme Court precedent and provide, quote, much needed guidance regarding how to apply those precedents so as to minimize wrongful convictions flowing from false confessions. Hmm. Also, just a quick aside, Stephen Avery, he continues, Catherine Zellner, the Energizer Bunny of Motions, has until March 30th to produce another 1,000 pages to the Wisconsin Court of Appeals. So stay tuned, folks. Wow. Uh, that could be coming up. Can you imagine if yeah. she filed at the U.S. Supreme Court? Um, no. What the, what the filing would be like? Yeah. <laughs> Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg would be like, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> so, Toby, oh Toby, what's your reaction to this news that Brendan Dassey is, we're not saying it's going to be heard by the Supreme Court, but that it could be. What do you think about that? Again, I think it's kind of the power of having your case covered in a popular documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there's absolutely zero chance that his case would have gotten this far if not for the publicity that he got from the documentary. So, you know, it's it's nice for him, but you know, when you look at it as sort of a uh, our our justice system, does it show that our justice system is working? I don't think so. Mm. I mean, I I think he for all his bad luck that he's had and he certainly had absolutely tons of it, his good luck was that the story was sort of compelling for reasons other than him that got picked up in a documentary. Right, right. Um, If that hadn't happened, you know, he would never have a shot. 
Yeah, you're not wrong. And uh, I think we're still waiting for Making a Murderer Season 2. It's supposed to come out at some point, right? And it's probably going Mm -hmm. to cover some of this stuff. But Kevin, what are your thoughts about this? A lot of people, uh, and I'm not, you know, I've studied some Supreme Court cases. Uh, A lot of people don't know that they don't necessarily have to have oral arguments. Mm. They can just reject, provide a writ of cert and say, we're going to take it up. But they also can just like read the written arguments and make a ruling based on that. And and then there are other ones, okay, we want to hear oral arguments and and really, really take this. I think it would be cool to have oral arguments and see, to see all those justices in their robes. I mean, it's kind of lame because it's not really fashionable. Not like the things that you could get from (laughs) Latote. Latote is a box of fashion delivered right to your door. Right to RBG's door. And you always have something new to wear. Yeah, even if you're... Kennedy. Kennedy. Scalia. You're Scalia. Roberts. You're Roberts. <laughs> You're a swing vote. Yep. Yeah, you can always, you can always Thomas. pick. Thomas. <laughs> God, <laughs> enough already, Mrs. Civics. You can rent up to $300 worth of clothing from designer brands like BCBG, mm-hmm. Max, Zaria, Nike. Oh, I hear Sotomayor loves that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just for as little as $59 a month. Yeah. Save yourself the trouble of walking around the mall yeah. all day if and not clothes finding all the time. anything. New yeah. clothes all the time. Exactly. For days. A box just came in from Latote. I know. You. I know. How did you restrain yourself from ripping it open? Well, we've been very busy this week, A, because we're about to go on vacation. But the reason I restrain myself is I want to open it like as I'm packing for vacation so I can just take everything that's in that box and just like shump it into the suitcase. Because it's already folded for one. I know but... I'm going to want to bring all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to yes. like ha- open it and then have to look at it for a week and be tempted to wear it when I know I'm just going to stick it into my suitcase and bring it on our vacation. So I'm saving it for that. Yeah. And I actually like that better than, again, you go into the mall and deciding you need a whole new wardrobe right. to go on vacation. Right. I mean, you just get Latote. Yep. You wear the great stuff. You can keep the stuff that you like yep. and purchase it, or you can send it all back, get a whole new outfit. Go to Latote.com. That's L-E-T-O-T-E.com to get started. Enter promo code CRIME at Crime. checkout to get 50% off your first month. And from there, you'll get your complete customized tote within days. You wear it all, and when you're done, you, you return the rest in the mail. They'll start preparing your next tote immediately. Hmm. Again, that's Latote.com. Enter code CRIME always have something new to wear. Hmm, just like Scalia. What else you got, exactly. Kevin? Well, we have a really great new TV show we want to tell you about. A new TV show? It is. And you can find it on CBS All Access. Really? What's the show? Yeah, it's called The Good Fight. Huh. You remember The Good Wife? Yeah. It's a continuation of The Good Wife. A lot of the characters have moved on, but most importantly, Baranski! Mm, Christine Baranski. Christine Baranski, yeah. Diane has come on with the rest of the Chicago-based law firm, and they find themselves under psychological assault when a client at another firm kills his lawyer for overcharging. Oh, my God. Who hasn't wanted to do that? (laughs) I don't know. Season two is coming out. Brandon (laughs) Dassey? Not for overcharging. No. Just for being super incompetent. So for more drama, more scandal, more Christine Baranski, you got to discover the drama and excitement on season two of CBS's all-access show, the Good Fight. Yep. So hurry over to cbs.com slash crime. Yep. And you'll get your- f- Wait a minute. Did you just say cbs.com slash crime? Yes. How cool is that? Pretty effing cool. That got cool real fast. Yeah. cbs.com slash crime. crime for your free trial of CBS All Access. You can get caught up on the first season. All that melodrama. It's so freaking- Have you seen it? I watch it. It is so juicy and soapy. I love it. So the second season starts on March 4th. Go back, 
binge on season one, you're ready for the new stuff. That's cbs.com slash crime and get your free trial of CBS All Access. Gotcha. cbs.com slash crime. Yeah, it's CBS. CBS. Yeah, not CVS. Nobody the, wants all access at the drugstore. Nobody wants that receipt that's 100 feet long. <laughs> exactly. Every time they turn on their TV. All right. Moving on. The newest true crime podcast to hit the top charts focuses on the scandal and bad behavior of some of the world's most famous musicians. The night before rock and roll pioneer Jerry Lee Lewis's fifth wife died, she made a phone call to her mom. She told her that she was thinking of leaving Jerry Lee, but that he wouldn't let her. Then, she made a second call. This one, to the sister of her high school sweetheart, making plans for her to come take her away from Jerry Lee later that month. Then, in mid-sentence, the phone went dead. Billed as a rock and roll true crime podcast, Disgraceland features musician and songwriter Jake Brennan telling the stories about the darker side of fame. Topics include the suspicious death of Jerry Lee Lewis's fifth wife, also his fourth, by the way, the 1968 murder of Van Morrison's guitar player, and whether the Stones' Keith Richards got, quote, satisfaction from the First Lady of Canada. (laughs) Really? That's what's coming up in the podcast? (laughs) All right. Brennan employs a distinct rock vibe in his presentation, which features no interviews, no archive tape, and no music from the actual artist profiled. And what I'm wondering, and what I'm curious to hear from you guys, is do you think this one-man show hits all or some or any of the right notes? So let's talk about it. True crime storytelling, which is what this podcast is, reminds me a little bit of a show that I know Toby listened to. uh, You must remember this, sort of the one-person narrative, Mm -hmm. but written and produced and presented very kind of differently with a distinct style. Um, Toby, what do you think of this idea of presenting these stories in this sort of narrative form? How would you describe it and what do you think about it? Well, it kind of just strikes me as essays because it's not really reported. You know, he's done research and he, he provides his sources, but he's not actually like on the ground doing any reporting. So he's basically, he's getting this information and then sort of presenting it in a certain way and in the way he's presenting it is pretty stylized. He definitely takes some poetic license, I guess, mm-hmm. with some of the some of the scenes, especially that he that he recreates. He sets himself a, a kind of a tough task, I think, because he does want to have a certain sort of vibe to the show. And, you know, the vibe he's chosen, I think, is difficult to maintain and sometimes I think he does a really good job and then other times I think less so Mm -hmm. it's not like what he's doing is easy right but I don't think it quite gets there Hmm. what do you think Kevin about the presentation and style of this podcast it reminds me of a true crime version of lore Mm -hmm. or Dan uh, Carlin's hardcore history Mm -hmm. I mean it's not like Dan Carlin where it's six hours of talking about the Celtic genocide, you know, those two examples, Dan and Aaron Menke, they each have like particular styles right. that can sustain a spoken word narrative. Right. You know, either of you guys listen to hardcore history? No, I've heard about it. but oh, I haven't listened. Like, And then the Mongol hordes <laughs> looked over 
the yeah. river. Yeah. Caesar was there. Yeah. Yeah. It just it's really good. And so I think that Jake has his own sort of voice, both writing wise and, and delivery wise. Right. And I do want to talk about the writing. I think he's definitely trying to hit something. It's it's different because a lot of the true crime titles that we we go for are either investigations right. or they're sort of like a couple people sitting around talking about a case that they've researched on the internet and then giving their opinions about right, right. and so it's it, it th- this is different i essay i think is a good way of describing it yep. or just it's telling a story which i think is fine right. I th- you know if you if you do it well well you know what it makes me think about it makes me think about the kinds of stories and I, I think he I know that Rolling Stone is a source in the two episodes that we listened to so far. We listened to the episode on Jerry Lewis and the episode on Sid Vicious. And I looked at the bibliography and there's like Rolling Stone pieces in there and other kinds of pieces. It reminds me of that kind of narrative journalism mm-hmm. that, you know, back what they say in Rolling Stone's heyday when they used to write the kinds of pieces, frankly, that like Cameron Crowe wrote that got turned into the movie Almost Famous, that sort of like narrative thing where it sort of tells anecdotally the gestalt of an artist in addition to sort of like what happened. It sort of talks about the way it feels when someone walks into a room and like that, you know, and sort of the way people react. And I really think that's what Jake is trying to do here. And for me, we'll talk about the writing in a second. I so, so admire the gumption because it's not just that this is hard to do, it is very hard to do and not have it sound super stupid. Like you have to really commit to your delivery of the material, you have to commit to the writing style, you have to commit to the delivery, and you also have to commit to sounding a certain way. And I think Affecting that- Affecting a certain attitude. I think the yeah. reason for me, I was excited to talk about this and listen to it, and this is the kind of thing I typically hate, is because he's really committed in a way that makes me want to go with him in this story. It really does. Laura, what do you think of the presentation? I, I know that you, you know, Jake talks about the, at the top of the first two episodes we listened to that he um, isn't able to use the music, which I'm not 100% yeah. sure about, Kevin, because he's actually talking about the music a little bit. Couldn't he use it a tiny bit? You mean through fair use? Well, he would have to. He would have to be commenting on the actual on music. The music. Right, right. He couldn't just use the music for free. Yeah, use the music in the background to fill it out. But if he were describing a song, he could. You can play the song. A it's little arguable bit. that yes, that through the fair use exemption. However, maybe you wouldn't want to do that if you're also saying the person committed murder and they have probably. Been <laughs> but the but the easiest way is to license the music right, and right, which uh, we've done. That's complicated. Yeah, we understand that. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's, it's complicated to go through for for like something like that because they also have a flat rate and. And they base it on how many people your audience would be and yeah. come up with some formula. And in podcasting, it's and the wild like, hey, west I'm, for licensing, yeah. Yeah, but he's like, I, I, I just can't afford that. Maybe season two. Maybe. Okay, but your question to Laura is, does, does that take it away? Yeah. Take something away that you don't hear Great Balls of Fire when you hear that he lit his piano on fucking fire? And, <laughs> yes. So, so that he would get showed up by Johnny B. Good. Yeah, no, for me it does because we're hearing him talking. It's just him talking. Mm-hmm. There's no other interviews. And he does a good job. He has good delivery. He's easy to listen to. You definitely feel he's interested in what he's talking about. But I felt like, you know what, for the type of podcast where this is focusing on rock and roll and rock and roll gone wrong, for me to really kind of get into the spirit of each episode, I need to hear some music mm. from the people. I mean, honestly, I had to like 
I mean, and this apparently I'm old and whatever, but I had to Google the Sex Pistols. I'm like, I don't know anything they sing. I don't know what they sound like. <laughs> I'm like, who the hell are they? Like, I, I mean, I've heard of them, but like, I don't, you know, even if it was just like a 10 second clip that they somehow figured a way to use. And I understand, and I and, and I was glad that he explained why he wasn't able to use it, but the music that he did choose was just kind of like generic background music. Mm. So, I mean, maybe he could choose like the punk background loop or something. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, Laura, but it wasn't even really that generic music. It was, it was stylized was for the weird. podcast. Yeah, it but it, it, it didn't, didn't fit. It could have been a little more on point, mm. the different things. Mm. But yeah. I don't know. That's a quibble. I actually like the music a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Something about this podcast for me, maybe it's because like this is a podcast like when I first tweeted about it, like some people said, oh, yeah, I know Jake, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, immediately like, I was able to connect the project with a real person mm-hmm. and then sort of figure out that like this is somebody who is trying something. Yeah. And you know how much I love it when someone tries something like I... I'm such exactly how we started this show. Like we were trying something and there's a lot of raw material here and a lot of talent that's audible. Like you can hear Mm -hmm. all all the music is original. The mixing is original. It's like a team of people working on it. Like he's compiled these stories from various sources and he's putting together in a unique way and he's delivering it in a unique way. And it feels like something that somebody made and that's why the music doesn't bother me, because he says he made the music and his friends made the music. Yeah, but Toby, like if you're scoring this, like if it's an episode about Jerry Lee Lewis and you're a songwriter and you have access to a band, wouldn't you want to have somewhere in there some piano notes? And for the and for the Sid Vicious one, don't you need to hear a really distorted electric guitar or at least something playing <laughs> mm-hmm. fast that's yes. evocative of? Yeah, the idea that you would cover those two and have basically the same type of music, mm-hmm. I think is, you know, sort of a missed opportunity. Yep. I guess. I mean, if you're you're, you're doing something that's completely reliant upon audio, and you're talking about bands, and you're a musician, <laughs> you know, it, it seems like you could have done. Something a little bit more, but right. again, you know, again, I mean, I don't think it's like a huge thing, and it's obviously a choice that he made. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would have done it somewhat differently, but uh, I don't think that's like the biggest flaw. Right. We wouldn't have done it well. We would have done it differently. Oh, if we did it, it would have been like kids playing xylophones, <laughs> been, yeah. like uh, <laughs> like Jimmy well, Fallon used idea. to do. On the- yeah, <laughs> so, Laura, let's talk about uh, the story, especially in the first episode. I'm going to start there. The Jerry Lee Lewis alleged murder story what did you think of this story as a way to kick off this podcast and what did you just think of the story about this guy about these suspicious deaths of his fourth and fifth wives and about the way that the death of the fifth wife was handled what do you think about that i thought um this needs its own podcast Mm. entirely not just one episode but you know when when i was listening to it you know the first thing was like you probably know like he married his cousin i'm like yep that's what i know and i watched there was like a movie i don't know maybe with dennis quaid and winona Ryder. yeah great balls of fire yes that was it that's my knowledge (laughs) of jerry lee lewis okay so i'm listening to this i'm like wow this is pretty fucked up i'm like you know ooh. so i liked the story but I, i i definitely felt like there was more to it like it, it definitely could have lent itself to you know it's, it's whole spinoff the fact that you know the cops are covering up for him oh he's drunk we'll drive him home get his car towed it's uh pretty amazing and 
the details about the wife that was, I think it was the second wife, the one that was on the bed that was dead and mm-hmm. that, you know, stuff is smashed all over the house and Fifth he's got wife, bloody knuckles, yeah. whichever one it was. Yeah. And, and they are just like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> so this is like raising my alarm bells, like, okay, what happened in this town that right. nobody... You know, and I get it. He's a celebrity. He's a good old boy. He's one of them. We know how he is. We just kind of help him out. But holy sh... You know. Yeah. So I think that that story was a good one to kick it off because it definitely had a lot going on, to put it mildly. Kevin, what did you think of the story of the Jerry Lewis case? Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. I don't think... I mean, it's certainly in the public domain, but I didn't remember that or... So I thought that that was a really good tale. Mm. I knew a little more about Sid Vicious because of the movie and... And whatnot, although his ultimate idea about the way he wrapped up the story with his supposition of what might have happened, that wasn't something I was aware of either. Mm. You know, we've had a look at what the whole season one, what everything's that's being covered. And there's somewhat familiar stories. Some of them are completely, I never knew that. But there's enough there that, because with any story, you want to be surprised. You don't want to already know the ending. Right. So I, I think that he's got a shot at being able to fulfill that promise. So, um, confession, I actually thought Jerry Lewis was dead until the end of this episode. Were you thinking of Jerry Lewis? No, it was one of those... I thought he was dead, too. It's one of those He's celebrities old. where, like, you know how you like people thought for years Abe Vigoda was dead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those for me, where, like... We all just cursed Jerry Lee Lewis. We're going to we have to did. re-record this. Do you know what? Side note, we actually do have a bit of a crime writers on uh, slash partners in crime media curse going on right now. In the last two weeks or so... We have talked about two people on the podcast, and then in between our recording and the podcast coming out, that person died. <laughs> one of them was what? Tinky Winky. One of them was Tinky Winky from the Teletubbies, and one of them oh was uh, Reg Kathy, the Reg actor. E. Kathy. Reg E. Kathy. We talked about on our Law & Order podcast, who died in between our recording and the dropping. So, I forgot the guy from Tickled. Oh, yeah, that's right, the guy from Tickled. So, knock on wood, Jerry Lee Lewis, I hope that doesn't happen, because we said that he's still alive. <laughs> Anyway. I just hope Billy Graham's okay. (laughs) (laughs) After he had such a prominent role in The Crown and everything. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. But we digress. We do digress. Kevin, let's talk about the writing. Okay. Uh, There's one little passage in the Jerry Lewis episode of Disgraceland. Reminds me a whole lot of our relationship. (laughs) I'm just going to play that clip right now. Marital bliss soon gave way to the reality of living with a spoiled, narcissistic, drug and alcohol addled rock star who was used to getting his way all of the time and beholden to absolutely nobody. Sean got hip quick. Jerry Lee liked to drink. A lot. Rule number one. Let him. Jerry Lee's stomach hurt. A lot. Rule number two. Get used to him shooting towel and straight into his belly with that big ugly needle. Jerry Lee liked attention from the ladies. Rule number three. Don't give a fucking inch. Jerry Lee was your man. Grab that needy slut by the hair and tell her to fuck right off back to the dirt floor shack her white trash mama failed to do her the favor of miscarrying in and get back to the business of being the one and only Mrs. Jerry Lee fucking Lewis. Yeah, that sounds like us, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. What do you think of the writing there, Kevin? Okay, I think that the writing is colorful. It's good. There's some times where it's just about going to go off the rails. Mm. 
You know, it's kind of like a it's it's like a figure skater, like all of a sudden, but doesn't fall down. Olympics uh, yeah, you analogy. Get a, you get a little wiggle in your twizzle, yeah. and you know, there's some of it that's actually really, really good. Mm. I mean, I think his English teacher is going to remind him that he's mixing his tenses. Present tense, past tense. I do I think that all that's the time intentional. I, I think that's you intentional. You think it's intentional? I do, yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. But I think overall, I mean, it certainly it fits with his attitude that he mm. that he's as a host, he has, he's a character and he's delivering this rock and roll attitude. He can take that license, as Toby mentioned, because he's not doing journalism. Mm. It is very much he's telling the story of all of these different things that happen. What do you think about that, Toby? About first of all, just just the writing style, but then I do want you to talk a little bit more about that license thing you talked about a minute ago and, and what you think the flaws are in in the storytelling here. So his writing style, I think there were times when I thought it was too much. There's a time when he's talking about Jerry Lee Lewis going to his like favorite bar and he goes into this thing about like his bucket of blood, his, you know, his fix. Yeah, and then it's like, and the lights hit him just so he was 10 feet tall and 10% better looking than Elvis or whatever. That seemed like it really called attention to itself. Yep. But some parts of it were well written, I thought. So it's, again, it, it's difficult. I, I kind of felt like when he wanted to kind of make a strong moment mm-hmm. of like, you know, feel or vibe or whatever, that's when things kind of got lost a little bit. So there's that. So what's the other thing about uh, poetic license? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is one of the things that I guess you have to kind of make a decision about whether you're kind of willing to go there Mm -hmm. with him Mm -hmm. or not. And I think, you know, the most obvious examples are in the Sid Vicious episode, especially the, the death scenes, both of which involve heroin and Sid Vicious being pretty out of it but he he then uh, Jake tries to sort of inhabit his mind during these moments and so a like my understanding is that there's no sort of clear fact that are understood about what happened right in both those instances so he does this kind of double thing where both he sort of posits what happened and then he's getting inside the head of a really totally screwed up on heroin, Sid Vicious, and what his sort of experience during these moments is. The pact would always come up in moments like these. When the pain got to be too much, Sid sweated out, mumbling incoherently. Nancy jabbered on and on. They should have gone uptown earlier to score when they had the chance. And where the fuck was Rocket's red glare with those pills? Jerry Nolan always had dope. This was somehow all that... Malcolm McLaren's fault. She wouldn't shut up. Words, words, more words. And I guess you just have to kind of decide if you're willing to go there Mm -hmm. with this kind of podcast. I don't know. Again, like you were saying, is like I kind of admire the fact that he was willing to go there and try. But in those things, it seemed to kind of venture out into sort of a fiction mm. in some ways. And so I guess I had, a, I had a little bit of trouble with the idea that this is mostly fact-based with, you know, an interesting presentation. But then there are these, these moments when he's acting as sort of omniscient narrator, right. reading people's thoughts. Right. That's exactly the thing that we get pushback from as authors in, in, in nonfiction. In the editing process. Is that, I think this is what you're saying, Toby, one cannot know what is in someone else's head and what their thoughts are. So to describe what their thoughts are 
is a dangerous place. You can you can say maybe they thought didn't they thought maybe they were thinking a thought should have been. And a couple of times he did that, you know. He did it. Well, that there was there I, was I know exactly what Toby said. No, I agree too. And there was to me that's what stuck out about the Sid Vicious episode. There was inconsistency because there was one point where he says um, he's leaving Rikers. When he's leaving Rikers, yeah. he he probably thought or he might have thought laid all that stuff out and then said that and then said cool. that. And I'm like, I'm actually fine with that. And I'm all I also would be fine with him saying the stuff that he's inside his mind during the Nancy death, like this is what he told the cops happened. Yeah. He either needs to go full fiction with it, full imagination, using facts to report the story and then go full imagination with that in, inner stuff or full sourced stuff. I, I don't think you can do both. I think you have to choose. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my style opinion. What do, what do you think, Laura? Yeah, I think you have to give some sort of just a, like a quick attribution because you don't want to break the flow of the narrative. I mean, he's got, you know, a good narrative going on there. But I think you do a quick attribution where the information is coming from. And then to me, that makes it more credible and not like, oh, did he just dream this up? Is this what he thinks? Did he read this somewhere? And I know he's got a lot of sources and he's he's got a lot of material that he's using. But just, you know, that quick, where did this come from? Right. I want to talk about another thing about the podcast that stuck out to me. I'll tip my hand a little bit because I think I made it clear already. Like, I find this very compelling in a way that surprises me. I found myself talking about it a lot with people in the last couple of days, which is always good as far as I'm concerned. But the one thing editorially that troubles me in terms of just the way this is put together and the storytelling, there is some romanticizing of what I think Jake puts out there as a very sort of rock and roll lifestyle of the era, which... On its face, when you describe it, involves a lot of domestic violence, a lot of hard drug use, and a lot of just like abuse of of, in various forms and violence. And, you know, in the Sid Vicious episode, it really stuck out to me more. I feel like the domestic violence thing was laid out pretty clearly in the Jerry Lewis episode. He was a serial abuser, a serial narcissist, a serial all these things. And in the Sid Vicious episode, he just kept coming back to, but Sid and Nancy loved each other. She was the love of his life. She was this. She was that. And meanwhile, these people are like abusing drugs, hard drugs. And there's also a lot of other kinds of violence and abuse going on, self-harm. And there's a little bit, I think, a tendency in rock and roll writing traditionally. It's not just Jake. To celebrate a certain... Yes. It's sort of a little bit like sports writing sometimes celebrates the violence and destruction of sports. The same thing happens in rock and roll writing. and I So it's fe- on point then. I feel like that's what's happening here. And I feel like even though it fits texturally, it doesn't feel right right now in a way. I, I don't know if, if you say by romanticizing. I, I take it that term is meaning afterwards you think that's cool and you might like it. Well, the, the Sid I and think, Nancy. I think throwing it out there. What does there, he I say? Love kills. I, what does he say? Kills. Love kills. And there's yeah. the whole thing where like this is what they loved each other. It's like that wasn't really love. That was like a fucked up codependency. I think. I think but but, but <laughs> I they think thought it was love. That. I think he yeah. was saying what what they thought it was, and that's yeah, what I took from I it. I know. You know, you have to read too deep between the lines. No, no, reason. I yeah. don't disagree. But it feels old fashioned and out of step with where we are today. To, to just hear that stuff. Mm. I don't know, Toby. What do you think? I agree with you. Part of it is the way they both episodes end. In in the Jerry Lee Lewis one, he kind of brings up different possibilities of why he's still free and, and doesn't bring up the obvious one, which is this corrupt police department just kind of gave him a pass. But then he says this thing about like how he's still touring and, you know, thank God for that. Right. 
And it's just been a podcast sort of indicating that this guy most likely killed one, if not two of his wives. Mm. And so it's a funny way of ending. And then he, he talks about how people like their rock stars to be, you know, living on the edge. You know, I, I guess so. I don't think that absolves people for, you know, killing people. <laughs> so I think there's, there's like this sort of rock and roll myth. And then there's the reality this podcast, I think, plays towards the myth mm. more than the reality. And again, you know, if, if that's the kind of podcast he's looking to make, that's fine. And I don't necessarily blame him for it. But I think having like gone on a steady diet of true crime for the last three years. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, but but you just you think about these things more mm. Not to be a downer. Yeah, I, I don't think it's just rock and rollers. I think that what's happening right now in the culture is that there is a pushback on this idea that talented people can be dicks and that that's okay. It's just part of being a talented genius, right? Talented people are difficult. It's like, yeah. no, they actually aren't. I know like a ton of talented people who are awesome and like super nice and nice to the people around them and not drug abusers and not abusers in general. But there is, it is, it's kind of a myth and it's kind of a, an accepted rock and roll myth in a way. And and this is where I, I, I'm conflicted because as much as like I hate all that stuff, and this podcast, by the way, is also like very masculine in a way. And I've pushed uh, yeah, back against a lot yeah. of that stuff too. But like, I still feel like that's actually what he's trying to do. And I think he should just be more clear about like, this is the myth. The same way that lore is clear about like, this is a story. This is a thing that like people believed and might be total bullshit, but I'm just going to tell you what it was. And he commits to it. And that's why it's been successful. I think that Jake should commit. If the mythology is what he's trying to do, he should really commit. Now, Laura, quick question for you. Lots of salty language in this podcast. Yay or nay? I say yay. I think it makes it it feel, you know what, a few extra F-bombs are good with me. Um, but, I, you know, I feel like it, it sounds authentic to me. I mean, I feel like it sort of fits the tone of the rock and roll world and the people that are involved. And I'm OK with it. All right. So I think we've hit the time in our podcast. I mean, we've listened to two episodes of Disgraceland, as we've mentioned. Uh, two episodes are out as the time of this taping. It's going to be dropping every two weeks. It's an ambitious project. Jake Brennan has tipped his hand a little bit in the podcast. He's, I think, really, really trying to make something here. He's developing merchandise and like all the other stuff around uh -huh, yeah. it. Um, what do we think of the podcast? Should our listeners check it out? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Disgraceland? Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. What do you think? I say seven out of 10. So that's like medium to thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like I need to give more of like, it's hard for me to say thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, I liked it. It's definitely a different style than what we're used to listening to. It's not an ongoing series. You're in and out in one episode for each story. It's definitely more for me like listening to an audiobook with a good narrator in terms of the way that the story is told. It's, uh, I think, will appeal to different listeners um, than some of our, you know, traditional true crime listeners. Toby, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down on Disgraceland? Should our listeners check it out? Yeah, I think our listeners should check it out. I, I would listen to the first one about Jerry Lee Lewis and just kind of see what you think. You know, I found them I found them entertaining. I listened to them both twice. So yeah, just give it give it a shot. Yeah, no, I agree. Is that a thumbs up? It's a thumbs up. All yeah. Right. I, I'm giving it a thumbs up too. I think we I think we've been like pretty critical of the things about it. We've talked more about the things that bothered us maybe than the things that we liked. That so fair, yeah. should I just hit a couple things that I really liked about the podcast? If you have not yet. Jake Brennan's voice, outstanding. 
He's an outstanding deliverer of this material. And when I say voice, I know I talk about it being sexist. People complain about women's voices more than men's and so forth. But sometimes when somebody has a great voice and delivers something well, it deserves like straight up acknowledgement. Jake Brennan is a natural broadcaster and a natural storyteller. And I find it very difficult to listen to one person just delivering material like in essay format. He's very, very good at it. And the writing in this that's good is very, very good. And given that we've talked about some podcasts recently where the narration writing has been very, very bad, I think our listeners who appreciate good narrative writing will really love it. And I think it's different enough from everything else we do. It's worth checking out. And I think it is going to be either a cup of tea for you or not. I'm I'm going to stick with it. I'm really enjoying it. Like Toby said, I listened to it twice, too. Uh, so I'm giving it a thumbs up. What about you, Kevin? Uh, I'm a thumbs up. I'll give Jake credit for basically establishing a new subgenre of true crime. There are things that in true crime where like you have like uh, themes where it's like, you know, wives with knives and killer kids. Crime and sports. <laughs> this is completely different. Rock stories about true crime. If you're going to do the Aaron Menke Dan Carlin kind of route where you're just going to tell a story and you're not going to do all of this other stuff. you got to be able to be more than just a reader, and he is performing in a way that fits the whole thing. So I think that's good. The writing isn't perfect. There's a couple of times when I said it might be a little too much. Pulls you out of it, yeah. But I think he does a good job with it. I'm really excited to, to hear more about what he's doing. Also, if you're not sure about like where he got the stuff, he didn't just get it off of Wikipedia – he you know, did a lot of research. He's got a bibliography on his website. It's a great thing to do, especially if you set up a website from Squarespace. <laughs> Are you ready to start your new business? Make it a standout with Squarespace. With beautiful templates created by world-class designer Squarespace, makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. All of our websites that we do are All of them. I'm a huge fan of Squarespace. It's the only platform on which I will build websites, period, and I mean it. Yeah, it's because you can customize everything, the look and the feel. It's all optimized for responsive content. Yep. So it looks good on a website or a phone or on your iPad turned sideways. Squarespace's analytics help you grow in real time. And there's nothing to install and upgrade patch ever that you have to do. They all take care of that, so it always looks good. It's always compatible with whatever the latest thing is. Destiny is calling. It says you need a new website. Make it with Squarespace. So head to squarespace.com for a free trial. Really, free. You just go around and create websites, play around with it. It's free. And then when you're ready to launch it and you know get your own URL and everything, you use the offer code CWO. CWO. And you save... 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com offer CWO. What else you got, Kevin? Well, if you're staring at the website all day, your eyes are probably going to get strained. Probably. Because uh, looking at computers and different screens can do that. That's why there's Felix Gray. Their lenses are specially designed to filter blue light and eliminate glare from screens, which are the two main culprits behind digital eye strain. So their glasses have this, you know, this blue light filtering technology that's like right in the lens. So you, it looks good. You don't have like that yellow tint to it. Yep. So they not only that are they effective, but they look great. Everyone can benefit from a pair of Felix Grays. And uh, they're available in non-prescription and reedy lenses, but prescription lenses are on the way. Good news. They say all orders are free shipping and free returns, so you got nothing to lose. 
except maybe that annoying eye strain. So to give your eyes the, the break they deserve, go to felixgrayglasses.com slash crime. Crime. Try a pair of Felix Gray computer glasses and discover a smarter way to work. That's Felix Gray, and that's Gray, G-R-A-Y, felixgrayglasses.com slash crime. Crime. Felixgrayglasses.com slash crime. Are you jealous because Jake Brennan reads ads so smoothly with a rock and roll edge? He does. He really does. He's good. Yeah, he's giving <laughs> me a run for my money. What else do you got, Kevin? Can I make just one plug for a friend of the show? Sure. Author Laura Lippman. Oh, I love Laura Lippman. She's got a new book coming out. It's a superb novel of psychological suspense about a pair of lovers with the best of intentions and the worst of luck. That sounds like us, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Yo, well, instead of rules, the game that they have of cat and mouse has dark secrets, forbidden desires, inevitable betrayals, and cold-blooded murder. Mm. I know that I didn't read the whole book yet. I'm just looking at the, the jacket here. It's I'm got... reading that book on vacation, just so you know. <laughs> it's called Sunburn. By Laura Lippman and uh, author Gillian Flynn from Gone Girl says, Every time Laura Lippman comes out with a new book, I get chills. Sunburn is a dark, gleaming gem. People say, uh, modern noir at its best. Yeah. She was great on our show, and uh, this is definitely going to be a great book. Bustle Entertainment Weekly and Pop Sugar have all said this is the most anticipated book of 2018. So read Sunburn by Laura Lippman, and you can learn more at lauralippman.net. That's Laura, L-A-U-R-A, Lippman, L-I-P-P-M-A-N, lauralippman.net. You know she's one of my favorite writers, right? I know. Now it's time to move on to my favorite part of this podcast, a little something I like to call the crime, crime of, of the week. The week. China's terracotta warriors survived 2,000 years, but one of them couldn't make it through an ugly Christmas sweater party. Oh, God. Federal officials say a man at an after-hours party at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia wandered into a closed-off area where the ancient statues were displayed. First, the guy in the ugly green sweater took a selfie with a terracotta warrior. Then he grabbed the hand of the $4.5 million statue and ripped off its thumb. Oh, my God! The FBI identified the digit thief as Michael Rohana of Bear, Delaware. When confronted by agents, Rohana went back to his room and then literally gave them the finger. <laughs> He's facing a host of charges. In the meantime, the Chinese government is furious and are sending experts to repair the statue. So here's my question for you, panel. Laura Bricker, if you were a big enough asshole to deface a piece of priceless historic art, <laughs> what would you do with a defaced piece? These are like those people that took pictures of themselves, selfies with dead dolphins. Um, like Ugh. they're just douchebags. Sorry. So I think that this guy would uh, take the finger around with him and take uh, selfies like the Travelocity gnome. That's what I think. <laughs> send postcards to the FBI from the road. Toby, what do you think? If you were a big enough asshole to deface a piece of priceless historic art, what would you do with it? I think I would steal a foot and go to Michael Rohana's house and use it to kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know about you, Kevin, but if I had that giant terracotta thumb, yeah. I would probably try to hail a terracotta cab. <laughs> Just saying. What, what about you, Kevin? If you terracotta defaced a piece of uh, priceless ancient historic art, what would you do with it? Well, first of all, I just hope it isn't Michelangelo's David. Because <laughs> you know what I'm going to knock off. Yep, yep. Um, I oh, think if, yeah, if I were there and the thumb came off, I think a good solution would be to get one of those Chinese finger prisons <laughs> and put oh, it, and be able to reconnect it. All right, we should we should probably end it on that note. Laura Bricker, before we wrap up the show this week, do we have a cat of the week? 
We do. We had a high debate uh, this evening at dinner. Um, I was voting for my favorite internet cat, Grandpa Mason and his kittens. For those of you who don't follow, Grandpa Mason is a feral cat that was rescued with kidney disease. He's very cranky. He hates everyone, but he loves his kittens. But he lost. Um, so one of our Australian listeners, Sarah Carradine, and she says, Laura Bricker, I'm cat-sitting Nala in Bondi. Very affectionate and must at all times be touching you somewhere. Except when Rebecca Lavoie's voice came through iPad. <gasps> Nala leapt up, sniffed the iPad, and then sat on it. Nice. Oh. <laughs> that Nala, so, man. Yeah, so Nala, um, she is the cat of the week. Does she love me or hate me? I can't tell. Did she pee it's, on it's the It's hard pen? to say. She looks friendly in the picture. She's a nice tabby cat with some very nice, but she she looks like she could also want to kill you. I'm not really sure. Does she do that thing she, that like our dog does when it's got an itchy butt and like rubs it on the ground, like oh, God. scooting like that? It wasn't like That's that, the right? Worst. Leave a smear <laughs> That's the worst. On the no, no. I think she just sat on it like, oh, Rebecca, ah. it's you. <laughs> oh, good. Well, my leader. <laughs> all right, then. There's a cat sitting on my face. Laura Bricker, if people want to reach out to you and uh, submit their Rebecca Lavoy hating cats or dogs for pet of the week, how can they find you on Twitter? At Laura Bricker. And Toby Ball, if our listeners want to reach out to you and perhaps confirm that you are, in fact, the cynical silver fox of this podcast, how can they find you on Twitter? Well, apparently it's not too hard because a lot of people found me this week to uh, correct my pronunciation of Mississauga. But there was still some shitty traffic there. Sorry, Mississauga. Yeah, uh, getting beyond that, uh, at Toy Ball NH. And Kevin Flynn, if listeners want to find you on Twitter, how can they get that done? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram with dogs who love me, by the way, at Reb Lavoy. <laughs> you can also tweet to our show at Crime Writers On and join the fine, fine, fine folks in the official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group or leave a comment on our regular old Facebook page. Subscribe now to get exclusive ad-free content from our team at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. You can get outtakes from this podcast. You can get ad-free versions of Law & Order podcast. Uh, these are their stories. You can also get... Kevin and my exclusive Stitcher Premium show, Married, Married with, with Podcast. Married with Podcast. Our theme song was performed by Rocksteady Freddy and the New York Scott Jazz Ensemble. And if you want to see a video of the New York Scott Jazz Ensemble performing our theme song, check it out. I posted it in our Facebook discussion group. At a live concert, it was pretty cool. In Mexico City, a packed stadium. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, formerly known as Studio C, and before that, the closet in our basement that is barely more tolerable than the holding area for incomers at Rikers Island. Yeah. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later, man. <laughs> it's very rock and roll. It was, <laughs> I see. One of those finger traps. Yeah. <laughs> it's a stupid answer. Just a little too on point. <laughs> That's like that Cards Against Humanity card. <laughs> when your dick gets stuck in a Chinese finger trap with another dick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Partners in Crime Media. Give your eyes the break they deserve with Felix Gray Glasses. Their lenses filter blue light and eliminate glare from screens without the telltale yellow tint or color distortion of other computer glasses. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash crime to try a pair today. That's felixgrayglasses.com slash crime.